It's time for the Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster podcast presented by Sloan. I'm your host, Ryan Dempster, and today I'm joined by the Hall of Famer, Jim Tomey. That's ready to stop him by. But first, I've got to tell you about Sloan's no-touch hand-washing technology. It's state-of-the-art, second to none, and couldn't come at a better time. So we want to thank them for providing that technology to people out there so we can all wash our hands and stay safe. Well, this guy, 612 home runs, 1,700 RBIs, one of the best men you'll ever meet in the game. So without further ado, let's go off the mound with Jim Tomey. My pal, my colleague at MLB Network, how are you, Jim? Everything good, man? I'm great, Dan. How about you? You staying safe? Everybody good at home? Uh, yeah, we're good. You know, it's, uh, it's a tough time, a challenging time for everybody. We're trying to make the most of it, have fun with the kids. Halloween just passed, so we had the costumes going. You know, I had the, uh, the candy shoot off the top of the porch down to the neighborhood kids, <laughs> which is fun. I know you're a big uh, Halloween guy. Down there, uh, you like to give out the big candy bars. The Tomei House is a must-go-to for all the trick-or-treaters. Love Halloween. I've loved the big Hershey bars, the big Reese cups. You know, the kids love it. And uh, it's a really, uh, I think what's cool about Halloween, it's fun for both the kids and the adults. The adults get to have a lot of fun with it. Uh, speaking of fun, we just had the World Series ended. The Dodgers finally got to eat that elusive carrot um, that they've been chasing for so many years. Getting there, um, that was a lot of fun to watch them finally do that. You know, I know you know Dave Roberts very well, and to see him finally get that trophy uh, in his hands, a, a really, really special moment for them. You know, it was. You know, Dave Roberts is one of the best people, and, well, he's become a tremendous manager, and how do you not root for a guy like that? And, you know, me personally, I went out to L.A. for a very short stint in my career and got a chance to – kind of experienced the Dodger way. So I have to say I was rooting for them. You know, it's a really, really good, classy organization that really cares about their players. And it's it's finally great to see them after a little bit of a drought, you know, bring that championship back home. And, and you know what? At the end of the day, too, if they get a little extra money and they can fix the traffic situation, getting in and out of Dodger Stadium, that would be a really, really great thing, too. Um, speaking of personally, uh, 2018 inductee into the Hall of Fame. You know, since that's happened, you had this incredible career. You deserve every moment of it. What changed after that moment where you got inducted in the Hall of Fame? Well, I think what's changed is the fact that you get to, you know, once a year go be in a fraternity of an incredible list of guys that have played the game. You know, I, I've been very fortunate to have had great teammates uh, to me now being a part of the MLB network and and then giving, getting a chance to go there every July, you know, it, it's kind of what we call, you know, that baseball family, you know, and when you can add new guys and new people to your baseball family, I think it's so great. Honestly, I, I don't know if anything's changed in my life, but I – I just know that it's 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 an honor. It's uh, it's great to go every year when you do get to see the likes of Hank Aaron and all the great players that played this game. It's very humbling, you know. But it's also it's a great experience to meet the new guys that get elected. And I think the Hall of Fame does a fabulous job at just just making sure families are taken care of that that do come in for the first time. So it's. I continue to I will continue to love that and see how that evolves as the years go by. 
Yeah, I'm so happy for you. You just, you know, you deserve every bit of it, an incredible career. I always said that, you know, the best players in the game, I always feel like, yes, they're talented for sure, but they're the most prepared. They work the hardest. They're the guys in the cage. They're the guys running the poles. They're the guys doing the extra. Um, and that doesn't stop once you become a Hall of Famer. Uh, you have to give a speech. And I just, I know this story, and I want you to share with people what went into giving your speech and, and how did you prepare for that? Because that's not an easy thing to do when you walk out on that stage at Cooperstown and, and speak to all those fans that are there for you. So, so when I got to the big leagues, you know, I was always a guy on preparation. If I was facing, you know, Ryan Dempster, if I was facing John Lester, uh, I always wanted to be prepared every day. I still do that to this day. Even with this interview coming into this, you want to be prepared. So obviously, you know, when elected and knowing that I had a full year to prepare, I would go out, you know, I think it was starting in May and June, I would go out and read my speech outside and I put my, my speech in a hedge bush <laughs> and, and, and just basically read it like I was outside. Well, then a week, about two weeks before the, uh, the induction, I called the Hall of Fame and I told Jeff Idelson, I said, I'd love to fly in and kind of read and do my speech in the setting that is going to be where it's at. So I flew in for 24 hours, did it. And I, I have to tell you, you know, having the Hall of Fame there, they were all sitting out in front of me as I was giving my speech. You know, it was it was it was, it was very intense. And I think that prepared me to a degree for that special day in July, two weeks later, when I got to do it in front of, you know, 70 some thousand people, which, you know, it's like anything, Demp, you know, this as a pitcher, hitter, you know, as a manager, as a coach, anything you do, you want to be prepared and have done your homework going in. And I, I really felt good about doing that because I left nothing unturned. It was it was a special day, but the main thing I think was more special is I got to observe my family and friends enjoy that day as much as I did. And it was an incredible speech and and just so thoughtful Thank and precise. You. It was it was awesome. I'm curious is at any point do you, any of your neighbors like maybe like talk to your wife and be like, "Hey, Jim's talking to himself a lot out in the backyard." Yeah, is, is Jim okay? You know, he's sitting out, you know, and one of the things, because we give the speech outdoors, you know, and I wanted to do it in a setting that, you know, that was outdoor. And instead of doing it inside all the time, you know, every two days I would walk outside, I'd put my speech in the hedge bush below me, and I would look up, read, look up, because they don't want you to just remember your speech. They encourage you to actually read from what you've worked hard to prepare for. And I felt like I was really well prepared. And, you know, there's nothing that beats the actual day of the of the anxiety and the jitters that we call it. But boy, I felt really good going in. Yeah, good for you. Um, and, and, you know, I know you very well. And and people who know you and, and, and watch you, you know, with your analysts' work that you do um, on TV, you love the game of baseball. You love talking baseball and talking hitting. Where did that come from, you know, and what drives you to continue to do that? 
To me, I think it's it's well that that comes from Charlie Manuel. I was very blessed to be around Charlie, who loved to talk hitting. Uh, we we worked at our craft. You know, we we prepared every day. Whoever was pitching that day, we would have a game plan. If 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 we were facing a sinker baller and we had four left-handers in our lineup, our goal that day was was to be thinking about hitting the ball to left center and staying on that sinker. If we had a guy that had a tremendous changeup that didn't throw it for a lot of strikes, we would eliminate that pitch and prepare for the pitches that we knew we could handle and succeed on. And, you know, as we talk, preparation is everything. I think that is one thing, staying in the game, you know, with my job with the White Sox and then now now being at the network, everything is about preparation. When you walk into MLB Network, Demp, and you know this because you do a fabulous job, you know, it's it's – it's not just showing up and then going live and talking. It's doing your research. It's understanding that specific player. I think we're a platform for if a guy's struggling, we don't want to let the baseball world know, you know, like and, and get on him for struggling. We want to help him and maybe offer things that we've used in our resume in the past and maybe help that guy long-term and point out things that can help help each player. So our platform is big. It's, it's also big with the youth, with yep. young kids. And one of the greatest things of my job, when I'm flying in and out of O'Hare, and I'll get a dad that comes up to me and a son that says, thank you, Mr. Tomey. I, I tried that drill that you recommended on the network. And I used it, and I got like three or four hits. To me, that's the greatest gift of what we do. And I just think it's we're very lucky, you and I, Demp, to be able to call that a place that we can, as you're doing at Marquee, to use you know, our resources and our platform to help people know and understand the game better. Yeah, you could, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, we've been in that position. We've been through those struggles. So... You know, it's about trying to help those players and help the future generation that's coming up if they can learn a little something. Um, you work uh, with the White Sox. You work at MLB Network as an analyst, but you're a special assistant with the White Sox. How much fun is that to be able to be with those guys on the field? I know how much you love the cage. You know, talk about what you get to do with these young players and how you get to impact them. So, so as you know, again, you know, Demp, the same thing. You know, when you go to spring training, and you're around the game. I think the biggest thing we miss the most is that clubhouse kind of camaraderie that we built, have built for years. And, you know, getting an opportunity when I retired, the White Sox reached out to me to come aboard. Uh, one of my biggest things was being around home, being around my kids, obviously playing 20 plus years in the big leagues. I wanted that time to be retired, but I was very fortunate that they brought me aboard. They, they've let me be around my son's youth baseball games. As my daughter has, you know, almost turned 18, being around her, she's been a, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the theater world, she's a singer. So, you know, being around that has been so special. And I feel, I feel lucky that the White Sox have let me do that. But the best part of this, Demp, is 
when you go out, when you're assigned, okay, go down to Charlotte or go down to Kannapolis and, 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 you know, just spend three or four days and you get to just have conversation. To me, the biggest part of my job is when I go down is to instantly have a relationship with, in my case, the hitting instructor, understand what they're doing daily with these guys, take notes, then process, and then form a game of attack how you want to make that player better. And the communication of each player knowing, hey, who needs a pat on the back? Yep. Who, you know, who needs motivation and understanding? But there's no greater gift than to sit in the in the stands and watch a minor league game and to know that you maybe had a little bit of input to help that kid succeed. And as we no longer play, you know, think about it. You know, it's now about our younger kids and our kids that are trying to grow into major league players. And, and I will say this, you know, I've been, I've been a part of this now for almost seven years and, and to watch the process that we've now gone down and to where we're at as an organization, it's really a lot of fun. It reminds me a lot of, in a lot of ways where the Cubs were you know, in 2015, leading into 16 yep. with a core group of kids that are ready to make an impact and let the world know who they are. And you see these core group of kids, you see them in the minor league levels. As it, A, was happening then and B, happening now, who were the guys to you that stood out? We were like, oh, this guy could win an MVP. This guy could be Rookie of the Year. Oh, man, there's a bunch of them. I mean, it's not only just position players. It's, you know, watching Giolito you know, watching Dane Dunning, you know, Dylan Cease, you know, when we made that trade, him and Eloy, uh, Louis Robert, when I seen Louis Robert the first time, I mean, this was, you know, he checked off all the boxes. The ball sounds different. The ball sounds different off his bat. The ball sounds different. And you got to remember, I was a part of of a great organization in the 90s in Cleveland where we had Manny Ramirez, we had guys that came to the big leagues at a young age and were given an opportunity, but but we had guys sitting in the minor leagues waiting to take our jobs. Yep. You know, the Richie Sexons, the Brian Giles, uh, these guys were tremendous, you know, guys in our minor league system. It, it reminds me a lot of that uh, now as we lead into this, you know, this hopefully – winning stage of where we're going speaking of fun competitive it's always fun when the white Sox and cubs are good at the same time because of the rivalry and and i say rivalry in a sense it's a city rivalry it's not a baseball rivalry in this you play each other six times during the year um i feel like it's such a great time during the year because you got the south side versus the north side you know cubs fans and white Sox fans and it, and it is so – I enjoyed it so much. How much did you love playing in those games, whether it was on the south side or at Wrigley Field? I absolutely loved it. You know, it was for me, you know, playing in Cleveland, you had the Ohio Cup with the Reds. And then, you know, when I was with the Sox and then went to Wrigley for the first time and experienced that, it was like, whoa, this is real. This is, this is intense. And not that – there was any bitter feelings us to the Cubs as players. It was, you know, and, and living here, the fans, 
are the ones that created this, which I think is so great. Living here in the winter and knowing how the south side and the north side, the back and forth that they go, you know, two years ago, when all when we were rebuilding and the Cubs were really, really good, I said to myself, I can't wait for the day when both of our teams are really good. And, you know, it, it might be one of the better cities now of baseball competition between two teams in the city that baseball has. And I it's just going to be a fun time. We we love it as far as where we're at. And I know I know the Cubs have have really done a fine job with everything they've done as well. So it'll it'll be exciting to just let that play out. Well, we've had a ton of fun sitting down, talking with you, baseball and life and your Hall of Fame stuff. You've had this incredible career. Jim, you hit a ton of homers, man. And I want to jog up inside your brain. I want to, I want to see how much you can remember. This is who served up my homers, okay? Now, 612 homers, that's a lot of ones to remember. So what I did was I cherry-picked a few. And I figured we could try and knock them out and see how well you remember who you took deep. By the way, I didn't make the list, which is really, really reassuring. Yeah. I gave up about 612 homers. They were to other people, though. So um, here we go. All right. Well, Denver I, know, I know you're not on it. <laughs> I'm not. Number one on the list. Your very first homer you gave up. Who is it? Steve Well, Steve Farr. It was in Yankee Stadium. It was Farr, too. It was a bomb. We'll go with that one. Number 300. Number 300 was my buddy Mark Clark. Oh, no. It was Eric Milton. Oh, no, no. You're right. You're right. It was Milton. I got – so Clarky was 200, I believe, and Milton was three. It was yes, 300. my bad. I should have went more in numerical order, but that's all right. You're one, you're one for two right now. Number no. 400. Number 400 was Juan Acevedo. Yes, sir. Cincinnati Reds. I have a feeling that most of these are oppo bombs, too. I should have looked them up on video. A lot, a lot of, believe it or not, a lot of my big homers were to left, kind of center, left center. Yeah, that means, that means I was staying on the ball. Try not to get too excited to get to that milestone. I see a number. This is a good one. This was a walk-off at, at U.S. Cellular, member of the White Sox, number 500. Dustin Mosley. Yeah. God, man, I, I can't get one by you. I got one by you, and I think that was a little mishap. All right, number 600. Number 600 was uh, Daniel Schlereth. Son of Detroit. former NFL player Mark Schlereth. Is that how you say it? Schreler? Mark, yes. Yes. All right, so you're, you're, you're killing yes, from it. ESPN. I, like we said, I mean, you're just, he's just prepared. I mean, that's just what he does. He, just, he knows exactly what's going on. I didn't prep him on any of these, by the way. All right, I got two, two more for you, all right? Last, last one of the individual home runs. Number 175, it's the longest home run in Jacob Field slash progressive field history. Number one, 511 feet, folks. That's a long ways, Jim. Yep, yep. It was Don Wingert. It was on a real humid day in Cleveland, and the ball was carrying really well that day. I mean, 500, that's some Babe Ruth, that's some Josh Gibson. I see him over your left shoulder. That's some Josh Gibson stuff right there, 511 <laughs> feet. Yes. Amazing stuff. All right, so you get all these homers, a ton of them. Who would you hit the most homers off of? 
Oh, I think you're going to get me on this one. I think there's, there's, I'm going to name three guys. Okay. I think it's one of three. I think it's Rick Reed. You win. Uh, Clemens. You got Clemens it. Or Verlander. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say Rick Reed. You're going Rick Reed is correct. Verlander and Clemens were both eight, nine off of Rick Reed. There you have it, folks. This guy, he knows who served up his homers. That's the Hall of Famer, Jim Tomey. We want to thank you for stopping by today. Jim, thank you so much for stopping by Up the Mound. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. Jim, thanks, man. I hope to see you back at the network soon. And uh, you guys are doing a great job over there. I appreciate everything. Always great to catch up with Jim Tomey, man. What a lovable guy that guy is. Loves talking baseball. Pleasure to be around. We're lucky that, uh, that we have him in this game of baseball, that's for sure. Uh, to hear more conversations like the one you just heard, please download and subscribe to the Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And it's all presented by our good friends at Sloan. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later.